The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 30, Revelation's Wall, June 2002. We were about to dig into some more files on Brad's computer when Crown's phone rang. I almost jumped out of my skin, to be honest. It was very quiet in there, and I hadn't been expecting any sudden sounds. Loud sounds are bad enough when you're expecting them. They are insufferable when you don't know they're coming. Hello? Crown said like it was noon on a Tuesday. He immediately glanced at me. Yeah. Yeah, we're at the arcade. No, we just thought we would let you sleep. I knew immediately that it was Sam, of course, and from the muffled voice coming from the other side of the phone, he didn't sound too happy at being left behind. No, Crown continued. I think we're just going to steal Brad's computer and come home. So, yeah, we'll see you real soon. No, there's no need for you to come down. No, she's fine. Okay, okay, we'll see you soon. Hey, would you put on a pot of water for... Nah, never mind. Crown hung up the phone. He glanced at me. I get the impression he would have liked to have come with us, Crown said. Yeah... Maybe I could have guessed that, I replied. I helped Crown pack up the computer. I didn't question it, even though stealing Brad's computer seemed like a ethical gray area at least. As we headed for the car, Crown said, We should probably try to use our powers, practice, learn what we can about them. You're probably right, I replied, but I'm not really sure how. And to be honest, I wasn't sure that I wanted to. So far, the prospect of having superpowers was utterly terrifying to me. You're in good company, Crown nodded. I can kind of maneuver around once I'm inside a dream, but I definitely can't choose where I want to go or anything like that. Maybe with practice. When we got back to the apartment, Crown marched straight through and slammed his fist on Sam's door. Wake up, buddy, he called at a normal daytime volume. I hoped he wasn't going to wake up the neighbors, though, all things considered, a midnight wake-up call didn't seem like the biggest threat to their well-being right now. There was a groan from inside Sam's room. I called you five minutes ago, he said. I'm obviously already awake. We made our way to the kitchen. Crown flipped on the light and sat down at the kitchen island, and I followed suit. Sam half stumbled out of his room, making some vague grumbling noises. He was wearing gym shorts and a plaid shirt buttoned unevenly, though I couldn't really blame him. It was well after four in the morning, and he probably hadn't been expecting visitors. 
Sam went to the refrigerator and slammed the door open. I knew that you could slam doors closed, of course, but I think that was the first moment where I realized that, in some sense, you can slam them open as well. He pulled out a jug of milk and some old shredded cheese and asked, Anybody want a grilled cheese? Somehow the question sounded like a threat. I declined, both because I wasn't really hungry and because having Sam make me a sandwich didn't feel like the right move right now. Should we try to call Lana? Crown suggested. Fill her in on all of this? Sam shook his head. I already tried, he said. I'm sure she's sound asleep in Seattle right now. Crown and I spent what felt like the next 20 minutes explaining the evening to Sam. To his credit, he didn't seem to get caught up on any of it. When we told him that we left him behind because we wanted him to be able to get some sleep, he just continued on spreading warm butter over sourdough bread. When we told him that Crown might also have superpowers, he glanced at the cheese oozing out of his sandwich. When we told him that Brad had implied that the monsters were somehow responsible for giving us these powers, he just checked the bottom of his sandwich with a flipper and scooped it onto his plate. All in all, he remained utterly calm through the entire conversation. Too calm. Sam turned off the burner and sat down between Crown and I. The whole kitchen smelled like a French bakery, warm and buttery and tangy with a soft smokiness from the crisped cheese that had fallen into the pan. He took a bite of his sandwich, crunched thoughtfully, and finally said, So, would you guys have told me about any of this if I hadn't woken up on my own, or were you just going to show up in one of my dreams and fill me in at some point? Don't be petty, Crown said. To be honest, though, I kind of thought it was a fair question. Either way, Sam said, I don't see dream hopping being all that useful for the situation at hand. We should probably deal with the monster before we get too wrapped up in whether or not you get to join the Justice League. He glanced at me. Your powers, however... He trailed off, but I knew what he was thinking because I had been thinking it too. If I could ever get to the point where I could use my powers reliably, they might be extremely effective at getting us out of danger. After a moment, Crown turned to the window. I wonder if it's here now, he said. That thought was positively chilling, of course, and I could almost feel Sam tense up beside me. He had seen the thing too, after all. It had been bad enough to see the creature out on the beach, but the thought of looking out the window and seeing it curled up in the grass below was beyond horrific. I don't know, I said, trying to convince myself. It seems like that thing moves around a lot, so hopefully it's like, you know, kicking it over by Mugsuvius tonight. Unless there's more than one, Sam said. We both stopped to look at him. That thought hung in the air like a heavy wave of clouds on the horizon. I didn't want him to be right, but I had to admit that he definitely could be. 
After all, there were multiple monsters in our dreams, and our dreams definitely seemed to be bleeding in and out of reality lately. If we succeeded in killing the first one, though, it suggested that we might be able to defeat the rest. It would prove that they had a weakness, at least. Or who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky, and there really only is one. The three of us sat there in relative silence for the next few minutes. Once the story had been told, it seemed that there wasn't much more to say. It didn't hurt that Crown was a man of questions instead of a man of speculation, and Sam and I tend to keep our thoughts to ourselves. Somehow, though, sitting there in the buttery warmth of the kitchen, I felt myself relax. There were three of us now, and Brad seemed to think that the creature could be hurt with enough firepower, so... Maybe we stood a chance if we could get our acts together. I thought back to Brad calling into my show that first week on the job, and I found it hard to believe how far we had come. Another thought struck me. My show, I said, jumping up from the counter, checking my watch. It was far too late, of course. It was already almost 4.30, and my show had been over half an hour ago, with or without me. Yeah, you're going to have to stop doing your show, Sam said. I stared at him. I can't just stop doing my show, I said. Well, there's no way any of us should be out there after dark, he replied. I looked at him and then decided to let it go for the moment. There was no way I was going to stop doing my show, but I supposed we didn't need to hash out the details right at this very moment. As I sat there in the half-light of the kitchen, my mind went to my big sister. I always think about her when I'm afraid because for so much of my life, she's the one who's given me courage. I wished I could see her. I wished I could talk to her just for a moment. The thought occurred to me that if I could ever get my powers down, I could. I could jump to Seattle, see her, and be back at the apartment in the time it would take to take a bathroom break. I could see her tonight if I figured it out. She would be confused, but it would be such a help. I wanted her to know anyway. I didn't want to keep this secret. I went over to the counter and poured myself a mug of coffee. I want to practice, I said. There were other reasons to practice, too. If I could gain control over my powers, it could be a serious advantage in evading the monster, or even stopping it. I looked up and found Crown watching me like I was some kind of science experiment. I guess I might be kind of like a science experiment. Do you have any idea how? He asked. I shook my head. No, not even a little bit. Crown considered this for a moment. Okay. Great. Well, I have some theories. Crown was on his feet before I could respond. He moved to the freezer and gripped the handle. I assume your room is ice cold like the rest of that apartment? It is pretty chilly, I said, not understanding where he was going with this. I think we should try to recreate the environment in which you first used your power. So it should be cold, he said. It should be free of distractions, and you should be extremely relaxed, if not asleep. 
He reached into the freezer and pulled out a tray of ice. I didn't like the look of that. He cracked it over the sink and dropped the individual cubes into a Ziploc bag. Clearly, he had already been giving this a lot of thought. Though I wasn't at all sure that it was going to work, there wasn't any reason not to give Crown's theory a try. I took my coffee over to the couch, downed the rest of it, and lay down. Crown came over a moment later, carrying the bag of ice and a huge pair of headphones. He put the ice under my feet and put the headphones on my ears. Once they were in place, the world around me sounded more than muffled. The headphones almost completely blocked it out. I took one last look at Crown and Sam, trying to fix the comforting image in my brain, and then closed my eyes. In some ways, I felt like I was being too flippant about this. I was utterly unprepared. And even if this worked, I had no idea if I would be able to get back or not. Still, I couldn't think of a better option, and so I settled back and tried to relax. The headphones worked their magic, and though I was generally aware of movement and sound around me, I couldn't pick up any individual sounds. It reminded me of the time I had had teeth pulled at the dentist. I had been aware of a thin, tingly pain somewhere in my jaw, but the painkillers were strong enough that it was more like a suggestion of pain. An indecipherable hint of it buried beneath layers of numb, dull nerves. In much the same way, these headphones really only allowed for the impression of sound. It was funny. Maybe it was the coffee, or maybe it was the adrenaline coming from everything that happened tonight, but either way, my mind was racing. It quickly became obvious that even without sights and sounds to distract me, I wasn't going to be able to keep my mind totally clear. Knowing that, I tried a trick that often worked for me when I was trying to get to sleep. I tried focusing all of my attention and brain power and mental energy on a single image. And so my brain fabricated a door. I closed my eyes tighter and stared at the door, painting it blue, adding trim and inset patterns and three tiny windows in the top panel. I let my mind swell around that door and nothing else. As seconds passed, my brain continued to add details to the door. I decided that the glass would be stained glass, and instead of the typical saints or hummingbirds or flowers or butterflies, I imagined the pixelated image of a Tamagotchi there in the window. Tamagotchis had gotten me through many hours of boredom growing up, and I found the image funny enough to be somewhat comforting. At first, nothing happened. The door itself seemed no more capable of movement than a door painted on a brick wall. But then something changed. Somewhere deep inside, inside of me or on the other side of the door, I couldn't say which, the door began to buzz with a strange frequency. I closed my eyes even more tightly, and as I did, I found that the image of the door became sharper and crisper. I listened, and from inside I heard laughter. 
The voice was familiar, and it only took me a moment to place it. It belonged to June. I couldn't tell if she was talking on the phone or if she was talking to someone else in the room, but I knew for sure that that voice belonged to June. What was she doing awake at this hour? Things still sounded muffled, like I was underwater listening to conversations on the shore. I did my best to listen, but I could only make out the occasional lilt of a word, not anything substantial. I found myself pressing up against the door like a child trying to listen while my family talked about me. As I listened, I became aware of the strangest feeling. It was the feeling that if I pressed hard enough into this door, if I leaned in close enough and listened long enough, I would be able to go. I would reach through space and I would find June sitting on the other side, talking on her phone. But then, all at once, there was another feeling. Because there was another sound. There was the slow, steady breathing of something much bigger than me. Something that I couldn't see. Something that I couldn't quite find. I didn't know if it was on the other side of the door or if it was somewhere else entirely. But I knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that I didn't want to find it. And somehow I knew that if I opened that door, I might let it in. I might let it in for all of us. That feeling of dread was enough to send me shooting upright. I flung off the headphones and drew my feet back from the ice, immediately reaching for the blanket that Sam kept draped over the back of the couch. I knew that Sam was the one who kept it there because... I knew Sam, and I knew Crown, and I knew that Sam was, at heart, a person who loved home, while Crown was a person who adapted and grew through every situation he encountered. I valued both, but only one of them kept a blanket on the back of the couch. Sam looked up from where he was cooking something else. You okay? he asked. I blinked and pushed myself back against the couch, breathing hard and trying to steady myself. I think I could have, I think I could have gone, I said. I looked over at Crown, still sitting calmly in his chair. Why didn't you? He asked. I shook my head. Now that I was back, it felt kind of silly. I felt like there was something else there. I said. It was probably nothing. It was just a weird experience. Crown nodded and didn't push further. I looked back toward the kitchen. I must have been out of it for longer than I felt like I had been out of it because Sam had already put together a fairly impressive breakfast. I guess the grilled cheese hadn't been quite enough of a midnight snack or... Maybe he was just trying to give us some sense of things being normal. October 2007 In the game Monsters, you kill people by shaking their hands in a certain way. It's not the most elegant method, but... It does the trick, and there's something about looking someone square in the eye as you end their time in the game that actually adds to the mystique, I think. 
I kill Lana immediately. I do it because she's very good at this game. Specifically, she's very good at finding the flag. When we first started playing, I used to think that she cheated. Now, I just know that she is very good at reading people, guessing their intentions. She knows how her friends think. She knows that Crown hides the flag in places with landmarkers nearby because he doesn't fully trust himself to remember where he put it. She knows that Sam's hiding places were often laced with sentimentality and inside jokes. But she doesn't know my patterns because I don't have them yet. Even so, I find myself concerned that she might just stumble across the flag randomly and so I walk up and shake her hand before she can get that far. I watch the frustration fill her eyes as she realizes what I've done. Then she gives me a grim smile and walks off to begin her life as a ghost. Crown's next. Out of all the people in this town, he might know me best at this point. I leave Lana to wander around the bluff and go to track down the game leader himself. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>